Hello, hello, and welcome to the iFormRx podcast, where we explore the evidence that matters to ambulatory care pharmacy practice. My name is Stuart Haynes, and I'm the host of the iFormRx podcast, and thanks for participating in this community of practice. If you're not already a member of iFormRx, I encourage you to join. Membership is free to health professionals and anyone studying or training to become a health professional. So, Just visit our website at iformrx.org and sign up today. While the number of people who use tobacco products continues to decline in the United States and, and most other developed countries around the world, there are still millions of people who are addicted to nicotine and struggle to quit smoking. And while it's true that we have effective medications available, Even when they're used in an ideal way with behavioral support, tobacco cessation meds result in long-term quit rates of about 20 to 30% in most clinical trials. And many patients, while perhaps interested in quitting, express some reluctance and remain in the contemplation phase of behavior change for months, years, sometimes decades, before taking any kind of effective action. Behavior change is really difficult, particularly for patients who have addictions. So we really need new and novel approaches to break the cycle of addiction. A recent article published in JAMA Internal Medicine caught my eye because the investigators used a gamification approach to behavior change. And while the study specifically looked at the impact of interactive text messages and mobile phone apps on quit rates among cigarette smokers, I think the basic principles and the technology could be applied in all sorts of situations for health problems and disease states where behavior change is essential to success. And joining me today to talk about this study are two of my colleagues here at the University of Mississippi, Dr. Ha Fan and Dr. Anna Rett. Dr. Fan is a full-time member of our faculty and an ambulatory care pharmacy specialist who provides direct patient care services to both kids and adults in a few of our clinics here on campus. And Dr. Rett is a PGY2 ambulatory care resident with a strong interest in community-based services that impact public health. So both Ha and Anna are first-time contributors to iFormerX, so it's great to welcome you both to the iFormerX family. Welcome. Thanks for having us, Stuart. Yeah, we're very excited to be here. So Ha, I'd like to start with you. Before we talk about the study that you critically reviewed in your commentary, I think it would be helpful to have a kind of a brief review of the state of the art, if you will, for tobacco cessation. What are some of the key principles that we should be thinking about when screening patients as well as evaluating their readiness to change? In my practice, many, indeed, I'd say most patients are reluctant to make concrete plans and it's hard to move them forward. Yeah. When I first think of this, I think when I see patients in clinic, the biggest thing that we can do in terms of screening patients is just to ask. I'm sure we all remember back to when we were learning about the five A's. So the ask, advise, assess, assist, and arrange. And at least in my clinic that I practice in, we always have that ask at every 
every visit. So after that, we need to determine the patient staging of the transtheoretical model. Like you mentioned before, a lot of patients have tr- trouble and they struggle with moving through each of the different phases. And some of them get stuck in a certain phase. So I think that is another way for how to screen patients is really trying to figure out where what stage they're at. So a lot of patients, I think they start out in the pre-contemplation phase, of course. And then a lot of times when they're being referred to me, they're probably likely in that preparation phase or potentially already in the middle of the action phase. So I think the way of how to move that forward and how to move them to the next step is really to bring up some of the concepts of motivational interviewing and raising their level of concern and awareness about their habits, making sure that we use those concepts of motivational interviewing and expressing empathy to developing discrepancy. And I think most importantly for us is helping us support them in their self-efficacy. So when we talk through their self-efficacy, it gives us an idea as clinicians what may be difficult for them and what barriers they may have and we can do to help move them on to the next phase. On the flip side of it, some patients just want to hit the ground running and they're like, let's talk about pharmacotherapy or nicotine replacement therapy. Um, one of the biggest things that I can offer and what we can offer too as pharmacists is all of these services combined and help and support our patients through this journey of smoking cessation. So, Anna, let's talk about the study that you reviewed in your iFormRx commentary. The study appeared in the March 2022 issue of JAMA Internal Medicine, and it's entitled Effect of Technology-Assisted Brief Abstinence Game on Long-Term Smoking Cessation in Individuals Not Yet Ready to Quit, a Randomized Clinical Trial. And we provide a link to that paper on the iFormerX website, but I hope you can give us a succinct summary of the study methods and the results. So the researchers wanted to test nicotine replacement therapy or NRT sampling and behavioral therapy through gamification as a technique for smoking cessation. The specific behavioral game the study looked at was called Take a Break. So I'll give you a little bit of background on Take a Break. This was a gaming experience that lasted three weeks. It included a one-week preparation phase and a two-week abstinence challenge. Over the three weeks, players received motivational text messages and participated in challenge quizzes assessing their smoking habits. They were encouraged to begin thinking about quitting and practice setting goals with a tobacco treatment specialist. And they were encouraged to download relaxation and distraction apps to use. They were even provided with smartphones if they didn't already have one. All throughout the three-week process, players received points for participation, which could accumulate into a monetary reward. This trial was a multi-site, randomized trial where participants were allocated into either the Take a Break plus NRT Sampling Group or the NRT Sampling Alone Group. Both groups received NRT samplings of the Nicorette lozenges provided by the study. Similarly, both groups received a daily question to assess abstinence. At six months, there was a follow-up visit where each participant reported their smoking status. To be eligible in the study, you had to be at least 18, English-speaking, and actively using cigarettes. Some notable exclusions, though, were pregnant women, prisoners, and those with active depression symptoms. Also, they excluded individuals who had already set a quit date. So this study focused particularly on people who had not yet expressed motivation to quit. 
Their primary outcomes were time to first quit attempt and smoking cessation at the six-month follow-up, which they verified by checking carbon monoxide levels. They ended up having around 430 people participate in the study, and they had a wide variety of ages, education levels, and socioeconomic statuses represented. In the end, they found that the time to first quit attempt was lower in the take-a-break group. They also found that at the six-month follow-up visit, the take-a-break group had higher rates of verified smoking cessation. So, in the end, the researchers determined that integrating the gaming experience can enhance long-term cessation, specifically in those who aren't quite ready to quit. So the take-a-break intervention, as they call it in the study, has several components to it. And when an intervention has a combination of interventions, it's kind of challenging to sort out which of the components produce the effect or had the biggest impact. Indeed, some of the components of the intervention in this study might not even be necessary. It could be that component three, that brief interaction with a tobacco treatment specialist who, after all, probably used motivational interviewing techniques and prompted the participants to consider setting goals, that that component alone may have produced all of the effect. So we really might not need to send text messages and gamify the entire experience. So I see that as a potential weakness of this study, but what do you consider to be the strengths and limitations of this study? Well, I think one of the biggest strengths was that none of the games were mandatory. If a person didn't want to participate in, say, the goal setting or using a relaxation app, they didn't have to. I think that was a wise decision on behalf of the researchers because I feel like that's an accurate reflection of what reality really looks like. Not everyone has a lot of time or an interest for that matter. So I think that was a strength of the study. Another strength of the study, I think, when thinking about the patients that I see in clinic, their demographics in this study really do match up with what I do end up seeing in in clinic. For example, one of the things that I can think of is that they mentioned that some patients, about half of the patients, do worry about money sometimes. And I think that is really reflective of what I see, too, when it comes down to access barriers. You know, but while the demographics may be generalizable, a weakness of this study is that part of the interventions just aren't feasible in reality. I mean, there's no way we could give out smartphones to patients just so they could download a distraction app. Or along the same vein, we couldn't provide NRT for everybody either. I mean, as much as we'd like to, maybe one day clinics will have an endless supply of nicotine replacement lozenges, but in reality, that day is just not today. So I think it's very challenging to conduct a rigorous study evaluating technologies like this because you really can't blind the study and you can't create a placebo app, or at least I don't think you can. And we know the attention alone, getting people to think about and attend to a health problem at some regular intervals increases the likelihood that they will meet some health goal, be it blood pressure control, weight loss, or in this case, smoking cessation. But of course, you do need to engage people to get them to pay attention. So I'm wondering what you see are the practical implications of the study and what the role of smartphone apps and text messaging and programs like Take a Break might be. So when it comes to cell phone use and access, I think that is a difficult part to 
implement, I mean, I might, I still might have patients that have flip phones, so I don't know if they'll be able to play all these games on their phones. A lot of my patients, similarly to this study, they're in that older 50 plus group. And I think a lot of those patients may have Medicare and some of them also may not have really great phone access to based on what part of rural Mississippi they live in. If the right patient came along and they were, we were able to introduce the idea of gamification to them, it would work for them. I just don't think there's just one path that fits for all patients. So I think that we could definitely implement this, but I think it would just have to be the right patient. And then that might lead to increasing their their likelihood of quitting down the line because of that experience. Exactly. I feel the same way. I do think programs like Take a Break can be useful. It just depends on the population. I feel like the younger populations right now are especially susceptible to nicotine addiction with vaping becoming so popular. It's just really something that we have to pay attention to. And this type of smoking cessation might be exactly what this generation needs. So unlike some of your older patients and young adults in general tend to be pretty glued to their phones. I mean, I know I am. So I guess what I'm trying to say is when it comes to smoking cessation, the more we can personalize the treatment recommendations, the better. I think when we work to tailor therapies to our patients' needs, that's when we're going to find the best success. Well, Anna Ha, I really appreciate you both writing the commentary and, and participating in today's podcast. Obviously, there are more and more health apps that are being developed and promoted for all sorts of health problems. And I think consumers and health professionals are really struggling to understand how to best use these tools. Fortunately, most smartphone apps are pretty inexpensive, if not free. So the harms and risk of trying some of these tools are are pretty low. Are you concerned about the proliferation of mobile health apps and devices What's the best way to evaluate these tools? Well, tell us what you think. Leave a comment on our website and be sure to log in every time you visit. And remember, only iFormerX members can leave comments and use the interactive features. Membership is free, so sign up today. And for those of you who are board-certified ambulatory care pharmacists like Dr. Fan and would like to earn recertification credit for listening to this podcast, well, you can. The American Pharmacists Association makes select iFormerX content available through their evidence-based practice literature evaluation series, which is available online, on demand, anytime, anywhere. So if you want to learn more, be sure to click on that link that's posted directly below the written commentary on the iFormerX website. And lastly, a big thank you to Dr. Joseph Sassine at the University of Colorado's Skag School of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences. Joe has been a steadfast contributor to iFormerX for many years, not only introducing his residents to iFormerX every year, but also authoring commentaries and serving as a peer reviewer. He's been one of my go-to guys for papers related to hypertension and dyslipidemia. And if you've ever had the pleasure of seeing Dr. Sassine speak at a professional meeting, you know that he's a great teacher. He's very thoughtful, but very passionate about clinical pharmacy. So thank you, Joe, for being an active member of our community of practice. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off. Music.